Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast in human recorded history, written or oral, where two brothers talk about something they like. I'm one of the two brothers, and I'm also a sort of comedian um, and a lifelong comic book fan and co-host, Will Hines. And I am all of those things and so much more. My name is Kevin Hines. And uh, we are continuing our series of Marvel firsts, where we go over the first appearances of a lot of the uh, modern Marvel heroes in the when, when they happened in the 60s. It's confusing because these are rarely issue number ones. They're usually like kind of buried in anthology series and stuff. But we're doing the first appearances of these folks. Yeah, the the birth of the Marvel Universe, as it were. You know, you're your mm-hmm. Iron Man's, your Thor's. Mm-hmm. Your Ant Man's, Ant-Man's, your talking horses, the big ones, the big <laughs> characters. And uh, this episode, we're going to do Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, we're Dude. sort of going chronologically through the ones we haven't covered before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so last week we covered Ant Man, who is the second Marvel hero to debut after Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we covered Thor, uh, Thor, who debuted at the same time as Spider Man. Yeah, uh, and now we're covering Iron Man, and then we'll cover Doctor Strange today. Yes, and then we still have Avengers, X Men, and Daredevil. Daredevil to go. When's Millie the model? I mean, before all this, okay, Mister. I mean, Millie the model. to some extent, like the cat, Hellcat, um, Pat, Patsy Walker, right? She debuted, yeah. I think, before all these characters. Right, but it would be a long time before she'd be a superhero. Yeah. Um. Or even pulled into Marvel canon. I don't know when that happened specifically. Anyway. Um, anyway, the, so you know, people come here for accuracy. Facts, yeah. Accuracy. By the way, we got something wrong last week. By we, I mean me. You did, I, not me? I, yeah, me, me, me this time. I said uh, Ant-Man preceded the Atom. Because uh, yes. I thought I looked up those dates and I thought I was right. Someone emailed me and said, no, you're wrong. I looked it up. I was wrong. Wow. The Atom is like four months before Ant-Man. Not too much before, though. Yeah, but he was a costumed hero right away, right? Yes. Where Ant-Man then took like a year before he actually put on a costume. So if you take that into account. Oh, then he, re- yeah, he beat him by a lot. Yeah. Um, you and I remember the origin of the atom because that's how you and I both remember the difference between stalactites and stalagmites. That's right. We It was one of our many digest books. We had a um, like an origins, DC Comics origins book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the stories in there was the Adam's origin and he's like on a tour of the caves, I guess, a caverns. Is yeah, he's giving, giving the like, tour? he's giving a tour like to students or something. And mm-hmm. he's like, and he's just like dropping knowledge about caves. And he's like, Oh, uh, an easy way to remember the names of the different, you know, rock cro- outcroppings. If it comes from the ceiling, that's C. So that's stalactites. And if it comes from the ground, that's a G and that's stalagmites. I read that when I was whatever, 10 yeah. and I have never forgotten it and it's correct and yeah. nobody else knows that and it's one of those things where I mean not like this comes up all the time but like I'd say once every two years somebody's like which one's which and I immediately am like C is to, C is for ceiling so stalactites G is for ground stalagmites and they're like we didn't care that much I definitely was with someone once who got it wrong and I was like I'm pretty sure it's the other way around and they're like are you sure and I was like I'm positive <laughs> I was like I couldn't be more sure 
Professor Ray Palmer taught me this. <laughs> um, but I really, I was, and I was, you know, it's right. And I was very confident. I also remember in that story, his shrinking power blows everything up. And then something about when he does it in the cave, it works. Like he tested on, he basically goes, I'm going to shrink myself to get out of here, even though I'm going to blow up. Right. Shortly thereafter, because I have to do it to save everyone. And it doesn't happen. Um. So for a while, he can only shrink himself because it's like a limitation of the his power. It's a limitation? Like he can't shrink objects and do okay, other things. Yeah. 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 Like Ant-Man, uh, like in the movies, is shrinking and growing everything. Yeah. I mean, his greatest achievement is shrinking a chair in the comics. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're going to continue learning stuff like this. None of this information is taught in the Marvel comics stuff. We learned that no. ants love honey, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned that Nikita, Nikita Khrushchev is constantly around every single communist military officer uh, at all yeah. times. Uh, uh, this this week we learned that uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Did we learn anything this week? That's very, these Iron Man stories are very silly. Um. Well, I can't wait to talk about it because in some ways I think it's a really good origin. I mean, in some ways it's really dated and bad, but in some ways it's like a really good character it's, story. No, it's a great – the core is great. Like the part they took for the MCU for the Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. story is great. And a lot of yeah. a lot of that is in the origin. Yeah, and I think they have adapted that whenever they, they would like redo the origin throughout the years. I mean like they would keep things and take things out, but like – the parts that they kept and the parts that made it into the movie are really cool and a better origin than most of the Marvel characters, I would say. Well, let's get into it because I can feel like I can feel us ready to talk about that. So, well, do, um, we, do you have media you want to talk about? Yes, I must. I, um, gosh, do I? Oh, I watched a Thor, <clears throat> the first Thor movie, uh, oh. which I had never seen, but. Because we read the comics and I realized I hadn't watched it. I was like, oh, it's such a short movie. And I just put it on Disney Plus and it's like 15 minutes. It's like 10 minutes long. Um, I, I still haven't seen Thor 2, The Dark Age. I've seen There's Ragnarok. Dark World. Dark World, yeah. And I haven't seen Love and Thunder. So now I've seen Thor 1 and 3. Only odd number Thors for me. Thank you. It's like a, it's like opposite of Star Trek, right? Yeah, where the even numbers are good. Um, Thor one was fine. It was, it was pleasant. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the earth stuff. I thought was really fun. Um, I, I remember getting very moved just even though it was like kind of by the numbers, like when he earns his hammer. Yeah, me too. I was like, this is cool. And I found it very funny. Him, his interactions with, uh, Jane Foster and with Kat Dennings, whatever her character's name is. Like I found that all very fun. Um, some of the Asgard stuff felt clunky. The Loki's great, of course. Um, I, all of those characters get better, but I remember watching right. the movie being like, "There's the half of this movie is great, and half of this movie is kind of boring." And it kind of evened out to be like an okay movie. I mean, one of the most amazing things is they made Loki's insane headgear look not stupid. I mean, that I think there should be an Academy Award for that. Like just those big horns. Yeah. Um. It looks it looked kind of fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had said when we covered the Thor comic and in the it shows the hammer with the words written on it, you know, whosoever shall hold is worthy to hold this hammer shall whatever get the power of Thor or something. You said um, it was not on the hammer. Yeah. And then like 
it's definitely on the hammer and it's said by as as you pointed out it is said by anthony hopkins as odin in the movie when he whispers his like you know blessing slash curse onto the hammer yeah so i was like yep i'm wrong wrong on that yeah uh anthony hopkins is good i mean obviously anthony hopkins is good he's a good actor it's crazy he's in these movies i don't know how much money they paid him to be in this um, yeah it I can't imagine like they couldn't have gotten a character actor who would have been just almost as good for a lot less, but like it is kind of cool that Anthony Hopkins is Odin. Yeah. Um it's a nod to like Marlon Brando, I feel like, as Jorel. Yes, that's true. Just get this like established big luminary to play the kind like of a, and a great actor, right? Somebody who's known to be just like a very good act, not just like not just a not famous a, person, not just yeah, a right. cinema star, but like a talented performer mm-hmm. to emote. Ah, I'm falling into Odin sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what Jack Kirby would have thought of these movies. You know, if he would have been. I assume they would have paid him or maybe they're paying the estate. So maybe he wouldn't be mad about money. Maybe he'd be happy about credit. Would all of his interviews just be like Stan Lee thought of nothing? I thought of everything. Or would he be delighted? I, w- I wonder what he would. Well, think. yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, if you take away uh, if he thinks he's getting paid the right amount or getting enough credit, because who knows, would he be happy with the product? I can't imagine part of him would just be like, it's kind of crazy to see it on the screen. But I don't know. I don't I don't know what he was like in that regard. Like, what did he think of the cartoons and stuff? But like to see like live a- live action Thor and a live action Iron Man, like you think that'd be pretty cool to him. And it looks good. Like the Thor movie, that's what I was kind of thinking about. Like it looks pretty good. Like Kirby's visuals are so fun in the comics, but they're so outrageous. But like the Rainbow Bridge looks good. Heimdall is like the looks cool. Like the look of it is at least solid. I think actually quite good. I also I feel like of the first three movies or the first, you know, the, 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 the Iron Man, Thor and Captain America, the three debuts. I think Iron Man 2 actually got ahead of some of those and there was incredible Hulk in there, but those three movies, uh, I think Thor is often thought of as like the least good one. Mm-hmm. Though I, I don't agree with that sentiment, but I think a lot of people pick that as like the it third. It feels like the one. lesser one. Cause like Iron Man was such a seismic arrival yes. of the MCU. And then like Captain America becomes such a central figure in so many other movies. <laughs> and then Thor feels like, the least impactful. I think people liked it being set in world war two and all that sort of stuff. But I remember watching, Thor and just going in like Iron Man was great at this point, but I'm like, can they make Thor work? Yeah. I was like, Iron Man's hard. Like I, I Iron Man was not a given Pick that up, it would be yeah. good. And and it was great. And Robert Downey Jr. was uh an inspired casting. And John Favreau was a good director. And it worked. And every and like it's like, yeah. And it, and in a tiny part of me was like, well, you know, there were the cool pieces of Iron Man that do translate pretty well to movies, but it's like the cool parts of Thor. And I, and I don't know. Are, I are there cool I'd read the Walt Thor? Simonson stuff yet. I don't know if I'd read it yet. I might have, but it was like the best parts of Thor, like the Walt Simonson stories. Do those translate to a movie? Yeah. Or are they just like perfect for a comic book? Yeah, I know. It's such uh, a strange so amalgam of the actual Norse myth plus Kirby visuals, plus just like comic book logic. Yeah. So the fact that that movie wasn't bad to me yeah. was like a, a huge, huge win. I And I'd probably rather rewatch Thor than the first Captain America. First Captain America had integrity, but I remember being bored for a lot of it. 
I was I found it a little poorly paced. Um, I was not into the I mean, Winter Soldier is one of my favorite Marvel movies. So they make a huge leap from one to two. Yeah. But uh, I had trouble when I rewatched one ages ago. I had trouble getting through it. I was like, I don't want to watch. I was like watching it again out of like. I'm a comic book fan. I got to see it at least it's, twice. It's part of your identity. But um, I was excited to watch Thor again. Uh, and I have not watched it a third time, but now you're making me want to. So, I mean, I it's a weird way to compliment a movie, but it also is not that long. And that's such a relief compared to like just yeah. so many massively long blockbusters. It's like, you know, just under two hours. Let's do it. Including these superhero movies that seem to be three hours standard now. Yeah. Um, do you have any media that you wish to discuss? Um, don't. I also started playing the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, video game on PlayStation, which oh. came out like two years ago or something, a year and a half. And I'll, I'll talk it? about it when I finish. I'm really enjoying it. It's like I, I'm like a third of the way through. I'll give a more full review when I finish. But so far, um, it's very like workman like gameplay and battles, like totally good, but nothing inspired. But the characters are so fun just the chatter of the characters is really fun i'm just enjoying it drax is constantly like the traitor gamora is uh has an idea she'll be like could you please not call me the traitor um that's fun you know or just things like thank you for not murdering me back there gamora she's like i wasn't going to murder you drax or whatever and stuff like that's really funny um i'm playing god of war ragnarok Mm mm-hmm uh, very slowly. I'm like probably 1% in. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I play like one, two hours a week. Um, so I don't get much in. But uh, in the same as the first one, like once I get like the the mechanics of the controls down, I feel it feels like Thor. And I know yeah. Thor is a character in those games. So it's weird to say, but like being able to throw that axe and summon it back to you. Yeah. It just feels like this is a Thor game other than I can't fly, but it's just like every time I throw that axe and pull it back, I'm like, oh, this it's cool. It's very fun to yes. do that. Uh, a lot of the reviews of Ragnarok are just like the combat mechanics are so satisfying that it's just like really satisfying combat. And there's a lot of it. And I'm I'm excited to play it uh, at some point. It's very smooth. I mean, it's it's the same game. It's like it's no yeah. I don't find it any better or worse than the first God of War that came out for I mean, not the 20, first, the, 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 the most the recent The 2018 one. reboot, yeah. Yeah, um, I find it just as good as that um, so far. It, you know, just as beautiful, some huge monsters, some fun action sequences. Um, so Great. I like it. Kratos but is I a love fun that character. Game. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, all the characters are fun. Um, should we get into some comics? <laughs> no, <Okay. not> sure. <laughs> it is what we do. Yeah, this is the oh, name did, I did get a message today on Instagram. Oh, can I read? Uh, I know we're not yeah. doing emails right this moment, but I get yeah. this message is very funny to me. Let's see if I can pull it up real fast. Um, Listen to your podcast for an hour. Do you ever talk about comics? <laughs> no. Which one are the episodes where you talk about pasta? Your Apple podcast reviews are raving about pasta, and I don't know why. This person was sincere. <laughs> So I explained it's like it's a weird bit where somebody reviewed our podcast incorrectly and it mentioned pasta and we talked about it on the air. And then a lot of people started reviewing our podcast, talking about pasta. I was like, it's very strange, but also very funny. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, that is funny. I may have to add a pasta review, they said. So uh, keep it going. We'll go review our pasta on our Apple podcast reviews. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, uh, to me. 
I was delighted to be reminded. And I, at some point, we'll have to go through some more reviews and see whether we've got any more pasta talk or anything just funny in there. Now we can talk about comic books. Okay. So we're going to start with Iron Man. Uh, Tony Stark, who debuted in Tales of Suspense 39, uh, publication date March 1963. Uh, just like Ant-Man, Tales of Suspense was like a, an anthology comic that had like fantasy and science fiction and uh, kind of mysteries, supernatural mysteries, uh, one and done things in every issue. And then they debut a superhero here. And this was this was done partly because like they had a limited number of comics they were allowed to distribute because of Martin Goodman's deal with I think DC or something yes, like with that. DC. And so like, and Martin Goodman, the publisher, his main business was magazines, not comics. And comics was like a side thing that Stan was kind of put in charge of. So although I think he was mindful of it, and especially choosing the covers. He wasn't like emotionally invested in like being a great comic book publisher. No, well, like when when a comic was a big hit, he would go to Stan and be like, "We need one of those." Yeah, it was a big like copy copy whatever the trend is. Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't add titles, so if they wanted to add a new character, they had to replace one that they already had. Um, which is yeah. one of the reasons Hulk got canceled. Yeah, they didn't have enough room. Like Hulk got canceled and replaced by, I guess, Avengers. Mm, we should know, and we don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, something like that. Uh, you know, and for a while, like it was just tough for them to add titles. And then at some point, they got out of that deal, and that that's when like Captain America spun off into his own comic book. Yeah, um, they like eventually launched Silver Surfer and Inhumans and a whole bunch of other titles. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's also interesting reading comics from the 60s when there was very few titles uh, compared to like late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, when there would be like 50 books a month coming out for Marvel Comics. Yeah. Or now, like yeah. An insane number of titles. Um, or I don't know if it's insane or not, but it's it hard to flood. They flood the shelves with so many books. It's crazy. Yeah. And you could just the 60s Marvel, you can like keep it in your brain so neatly, especially if you're only talking about the good issues. You know, yeah, right, if you like yeah. if you throw away the fluff, there, um, it's pretty easy to be an expert on '60s Marvel. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, Tales of Suspense '39 debut of Iron Man. Um, the the credits for this character is interesting. Um, Jack Kirby is credited with the visual character design, and he did the cover, but he doesn't draw the issue. Uh, Don Heck is the artist. Uh, which, you know, probably in Marvel terms means he did a significant amount of the plot and certainly the breakdowns. Stan is the plot. Mm -hmm. so he probably came up with the name, some amount of the idea and story. He did different amounts of that at this time. It's possible yeah. that he outlined a pretty full story or maybe just half. And then his brother, Larry Lieber, does the dialogue. Yeah, it's, and I think... Kirby also did a lot of like uncredited layouts for comics too. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, if Kirby came up with the story with Stan Lee and laid it out and then okay. they just passed it off to Larry Lieber and Don Heck to finish up. Yeah. Cause it's uh, the, the reason I'm, but okay. But as credited here, Kirby's not given any credit. Yeah. Um, and so even assuming that Kirby has less involvement than he did for like, you know, FF and Hulk, and Ant-Man, this is a good story. Yeah. 
This is like uh, a really solid story. Uh, there's, you know, the portrayal of the Asian soldiers uh, has been, you know, much talked about how it's like sort of, you know, verging on caricature and sort of kind of embarrassing uh, old school um, racist portrayal. Mm-hmm. But if you just think of them as the bad guys of the issue, um, the story, the create, the character of Tony Stark is well thought through. Yeah, and there's some good there's some good dialogue in here. I do think Kirby had more to do with it than just. I think he had some layouts to do. There's no way I don't know. There's probably somebody knows. Um, just some of these panels look really cool. Uh, it probably got reworked a bunch, but I bet he did a very rough thumbnails for this for Don Heck to follow. I don't know that, um, but they're they're deep enough into their line. They've got hits at this point, right? They've got FF and they've got uh, uh, Spider Man. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Amazing Fantasies come out. I don't know if Spider-Man One has come out, but like they're so. doing good, and like they're trying to make more hits. And it'd be crazy not to bring Kirby, number in one guy, yeah, to help boost this when you know he does that for other titles at times. Right. So we can assume a, you know, pretty hefty involvement from Kirby, even though it's uncredited. But he he didn't. It looks like he didn't finish it up. At least like Don no. Heck brought this over the finish line. And I think um, Don Heck's art is good. Like, I think in, if you look at individual panels, I really like Don Heck's art. Sometimes the page overall doesn't look great or you, it's not as fluid or as um, – it doesn't draw your eye through the panels like Kirby's does. But there's certain panels. I, I like the way he draws characters. I like his designs for things. I like – he's a little more detailed. Yeah, it's a bit more cinematic just in how he renders things. Uh, the mm. composition isn't as, like, dynamic as Kirby. Almost nothing is. Yes. Um, and the dialogue's pretty good. Larry Lieber had a good sense of dialogue. Yeah. Um, should we get into this a little bit or do we? how do we want to do this? Let's do just the overall plot story and then go through it. So the story is it's 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 uh, it overlaps a lot with what people would have seen in the Robert Downey Jr. MCU. Tony Stark is a playboy millionaire weapons developer um, who is. We see just who is attacked in the jungle, kidnapped by Vietnamese forces. And when this comic came out, we were fighting the Vietnamese. Um, Obviously, that's a complicated war. But in the simplified world of comic books, they are the bad guys in America is the good guys. And especially when drawn and written by World War II vets. Right. Who, you know, they live their life. That's how they that's how they filter yeah. these types of uh, events. It'd be a little while before the more nuanced feeling about war. Yeah, I mean, this is this is 63. Even even Vietnam itself has not become the sort of like, how do we talk about this that it would even five years later? But um, Tony Stark is captured by the Vietnamese ordered to make weapons for them. Um, he's been injured badly and is going to die. And he teams and they give him a Vietnamese soldier uh, scientist named Yin Seng. And they basically both hate the Vietnamese army. And so they use the technology. And instead of making weapons, they make a suit of armor for Tony Stark to defeat that, to save himself and defeat them, which is what he does. And then he's a good guy, superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that um, is cool. The idea of like being forced to make weapons, but then like, Making a weapon, making yourself into a weapon to fight your way out is a very fun origin. And then there's the whole saving your life thing. Like he is injured. Yes. I think that's shrapnel. a cool aspect too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. The shrapnel is working its way towards his heart and he 
makes a contraption to pull the metal away from his heart. Uh, the logic of this will become weird as the comic goes on, but the armor is keeping him alive. And a big part of Iron Man's story is for a long time is he always needs to be charging his armor or he'll die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can't take off the chest plate. Yeah. And so, but that's kind of a good dramatic tension thing also. Like it's a, this sort of arrogant playboy is suddenly given a very tragic flaw and it makes him interesting. It's an interesting story. Yeah. Um. So what did you think as you read read this issue? We've read it before, but it had been a while for me since it'd I read been it. a long time since I read this. Um, I I really enjoyed this a lot. I think um, I'm trying to. I just read a, a handful of Iron Man issues. Um, so there's a line of dialogue I really like, but I think it's in a different one. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Like I said, I like the art. I think it's a cool story. The villains are. I wouldn't say verging on. I think they are racist yeah, right, stereotypes right. the way they're drawn. Um, but that's the time. So I it doesn't bother me. You know, it's it's, it's it bothers it's, me in the sense that like, oh man, uh, as a as a country, we were kind of yeah. dumb, but I'm not like, oh, how could they draw this? It's that's just what it was at that time. Yeah, they're the the it's the coloring really, like they're given like very yellow skin. I almost think if you just change that, it would it would go a long way towards <laughs> a little bit. The one I'm reading is a recolored version, and uh, it doesn't help too much. Okay, um, the facial features are pretty um, Fu Manchu-ish. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, um, the the characters, though, if you look at the dialogue, these are pretty typical comic book villains. And Yin Seng is this sort of like noble scientist who who helps Tony, and he's a really interesting character. He's interesting too. I wonder. Why they give that to why they put that in the story? Like you could have had it without him. Yeah, is it just to have him to talk to somebody? I mean, he sacrifices himself, which they is have a nice a moment, but it doesn't feel like that is a lot. It's not an Uncle Ben moment. It's not like Tony thinks about that all the time. No, he does avenge him. Yeah, uh, uh, in the short term, uh, they have a lot of mentors, right? Like Doctor Strange has the master. Mm -hmm. Um. Does Spidey have a mentor? Well, Uncle Ben Uncle was ben. his yeah. his mentor. Um, uh, that's feel, it. Thor that doesn't. Ant-Man doesn't. Ant-Man does not. Well, Thor has Odin eventually. Yeah, but not in his origin, not baked in. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, but it yeah, seems, I, it seems like a thing where there is like a teacher mentor to help the person become a hero. Like that seems like a trope that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it's someone to talk to if they didn't always talk out loud to themselves all the time anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the pad, the eight, eight, nine pages. How long is this story? Oh, no, this is pretty sizable. This is 13 pages, it looks like. Um, yeah. I also think it's interesting, even at this point, like when he first puts on the armor, he stumbles a couple times. Yeah, like, he doesn't know how to walk in it. There's something interesting about these Marvel comics where they're not instantly good with their at things like they struggle here and there and i and I, and that's here he struggles he's not good at it right away also the armor is fearsome looking like iron man is scary this is addressed in the next issue i think like um where the marvel heroes are monstrous and sort of like not a hundred percent just like good guys here to save the day they're like they're kind of scary and out of control like people are scared of iron man um that's kind of interesting too. Uh, 
Um, you know, it's funny when the story's good, there's less to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, he, it's interesting that like he's not just like a a walking weapon. He's got like little gadgets. He keep talking about his tiny transistors, but like he takes over a loudspeaker. He shoots oil out of like a weird phallic like gun. Um, like it's he's very much a gadget character at this point. Like as opposed to like now, he just feels like oh, a war machine. Not to 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 use the name of an Iron Man. Uh, related character but he that's what he feels like an iron giant he's a flying tank now and at this point he was more of like a walking gadget machine <laughs> and that, uh, that that feels kirby kirby-esque to have like a lot of created uses of the power yeah and in some of the other issues i read there's even more of that where it's like almost pointlessly it's like oh i can attach this piece to do this thing and it's like uh, weren't you powerful enough without that um but in but it is an interesting aspect to this character that isn't needed, but shows the time. Um, the final battle is pretty fun. Let me, but uh, the beginning, the initial introduction of Tony Stark is pretty good too. He's like sort of cockily showing off his weapons to a general. Oh yeah, transistors are mentioned a million times. Like it becomes yes. funny, like. Just his ability to make transistors of any size is like his superpower. Somehow that like justifies all of the mechanical miracles that the armor is. Yeah, it's, it's it replaces radiation just as a thing that can do whatever they need it to do. Uh, we have a villain here. Wong Chu is the Vietnamese <laughs> leader who is like imprisons Tony Stark and orders him to make a weapon. There, There is a parallel character in the MCU. Um. Like the bad guy who's like masterminding yep. everything. Um, yeah, they, they kind of do like their little Marvel thing of getting into the scientific justification of what they're doing. Like uh, Yinsen and Stark, when they're talking about what they're doing, there's like that pseudoscience gibberish going on. Yes, definitely. There's like a thing about uh, – what's the line? Um, the self-lubrication system is it. completed. The life-giving heart of your iron body is ready. Quickly clamp it around your chest. But you know what? It looks pretty good. The self-lubrication system. Yeah, that line. Yeah, I don't know. I like Don Hexart. Like the way he dressed Tony looks really cool. His character faces are really well drawn. Um, There's a world know. in which Iron Man becomes more of a Batman character where he's like a fearsome visage uh, instead of sort of what he does become, which is kind of like a pretty happy and buoyant visual image who can occasionally assume – the role of annihilation machine. <laughs> Do you want to talk about any of the other Iron Man issues? Yes. I think we should do the happy Hogan and pepper pot. Sure. So interestingly enough, you told me to read <laughs> me the wrong issue number. So I read the one before it initially, which is uh, uh, um, the one after it or the one 44. Before it? I read yeah. the one before it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I read Tales of Suspense 44, and that issue is crazy. Just real quick, we're not going to go into long details about it. Oh, yeah, it. I read this one too. This is Cleopatra, right? Yeah, he travels back in time. He, he, he discovers a tomb of a guy who put himself in a coma that then takes him back in time to meet Cleopatra, where like Tony helps Cleopatra fight off the Romans. But he does it is it's all crazy. Like he does it like by putting wheels on his suit and like a propeller on his butt, and he like fights them all and it's very silly it's also crazy because like throughout that issue he's worried about plugging himself in and then he goes back in time i'm like oh this is gonna play in like there's no electricity back there not not part of the story at all <laughs> um 
Yes, that issue is crazy. But um, yeah. Well, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, but in issue 45, we introduce Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts. Yes. I think they're pretty fun. And I think it's always an interesting point when you expand the superheroes world to get their cast of characters in there. Yeah. And it's also, it's deliberately done. It's not like those characters were just in a page and they're like, oh, you know what? Let's bring them back. Like they spent half the issue introducing those two guys. Right. Happy Hogan is kind of like a, unlike the John Favreau portrayal, he's like a real like, more like a Ben Grimm, like Yancey Street Gang, salt of the earth bruiser type talks tough who saves Tony Stark from a car wreck and sort of becomes his chauffeur slash entourage guy just because Tony Stark's indebted to him. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that character all right, though, and Stan's good at writing that kind of dialogue. And so is Larry Liebert. Yeah, Um yeah, he's he's fun, and there's a couple of fun lines. Just like even just like I was too successful at losing. Yeah, like, just, I don't know. It's just something fun about it. It's it's silly. It's a little cheesy, but I liked it. Also, like Tony tries to pay him for say happy saves Tony's life. And so Tony rewards him by offering him um, fifty thousand thousand dollars, which, which is, seems like a huge amount for this year. Yeah, and then and Happy seems upset by it. He goes, "I'll give you twice that. I'll give you a hundred thousand. Yeah. Which is crazy. And he goes, no, nah, just give me a job. Yeah, I want a job with perks and whatever. He wants benefits. Yeah. Everyone needs everyone needs insurance. Uh, but I liked him too. And then we meet Pepper Potts, who's freckled, uh, like mouse, a mousy librarian type. Yeah. And Happy also is immediately in love with. Right. And um, she's not glamorous. She's more like a tough girl reporter, to kind of like sort of a tomboy sort of yeah, I, I, vibe. Yeah. I don't even think she seems that tough, but like I get a librarian feel from her more than a, a tomboy, but she's certainly not meant to be attractive, though she is very pretty, draw, pretty. Uh, she's know, drawn, she she's drawn pretty, but she's presented as like not a glamorous, confident yeah. person, like a shy kind of every woman yeah. who's in love with Tony Stark. And that's kind of delusional of her. This is she's all that before she takes off her glasses. <laughs> right, right. It's a it's a it's like, ugh. Did you see that she's introduced as Kitty at first? Mm, I might have, mine might be corrected. <laughs> um, I guess I'm getting the original scans, and there's these crazy typos in the original issues. On page eight of issue 45, when Tony Stark introduces Pepper to uh, Happy Hogan, it's like, Kitty, meet Happy Hogan. From now on, he'll be my private chauffeur. Yeah, that's definitely been corrected in the one I'm looking at. Again, uh, uh, I'm seeing like a... I don't know, a Marvel Masterworks version, because it says Pepper, but you can tell there's, it looks like it could be whited out around it. Do you see mine here? I'm showing it to you in the Zoom window. Uh, yep, I see it. I believed you. Oh, I mean, it's completely different on mine. It's, show me that again. I'm showing you, yeah. Whoops. Um, Hang on, there we go. And the balloon placement even is, oh no, it's, it's the same. Uh, mine has Pepper as the top line and underneath it, it says Meet Happy. I know that's a minor thing, but yours says Kitty Meet. Kitty Meet Happy Hogan. Mine says Pepper. And then underneath that, it says Meet. So like they really reworded it all. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a silly mistake to make. It's like, get the and name right. <laughs> her name's Pepper on the cover and throughout the issue. And for the rest of the issue, she's Pepper. It's just right yeah. there that it's wrong. Um um, but I thought they were pretty fun characters, and they 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 li they liven it up, and they make it a little more joyful. I think supporting casts are so important. Uh, I definitely like them; they're more fun. There's somebody for Tony to have deal with. Um, I really and, like how Tony's written. Tony is not written. 
as like trying to be in a relationship, which is sort of refreshing. I think eventually he does want to date Pepper maybe. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I feel like the love triangle becomes like a real love triangle at some point. I mean, he does end up dating Pepper after the movies come out um, and happy dies in the comics. So <laughs> don't get attached. Um, but uh, I like that he's not. There's not like a love interest for Tony. I think that's cool. His dialogue, sort of his charming billionaire speak, like when he's in press conferences and stuff, I think is really fun and pretty well written. Like in the Cleopatra issue, somebody asks him, like, uh, hey, do you think Cleopatra would have uh, uh, fallen for a guy like you? He's like, well, she's probably a little too old for me now, which feels like a charming like yeah, line from like a, you know swinging bachelor rich bachelor character i don't know it's like i was like i like that that feels that feels real to me yeah um i mean i i think of the i i well maybe we'll rank these at the end but i i feel like this is really solid character development um and then i we also read the issue you read the issue where the red and gold armor yes debut so there's a steve ditko issue and steve ditko is the guy who redesigns the armor this I is actually st- true. We're not just this saying is a true that. credited thing, not just a crazy thing from us. And it's it's a big improvement, I think. Oh, yeah. This armor is so good. I mean, there's been tweaks to it, but like still, I would say the armor he has now owes more to Ditko's armor than to the original heck slash maybe Kirby armor. Yeah, the color scheme and the way it's like broken down and the general just feel for it is set mm-hmm. up here by Ditko and has really never been abandoned. Um, and they go through it. They spend a couple of pages, like three pages. Yeah, I would say maybe through, too many pages. <laughs> going through like each piece of it and how he's going to wear it and why it's more lightweight and lean and form-fitting. <laughs> I imagine Ditko came in and at least like, can we cut one of these pages out? And Ditko just got like really huffy. Hey, it doesn't make sense if you don't explain it. And he's like, you know what? Fine. It's <laughs> Iron Man. Who cares? We'll leave the page in. Like that's how I pictured it went down. Each interchangeable arm leg adapter contains its own built-in power units in case the main transistor battery should fail. I simply slip the adapter over my wrist, and then a powerful magnetic pull from my built-in shoulder magnets does the rest, all done in less than two seconds. So that's like a whole row explaining how he puts his sleeve on. One sleeve, yeah. Yeah. And there's even a moment after it's all been put on where he talks a a panel about how it comes off, too. And it's like, yeah, we get it. We get it, guys. Um. But to some, I got you know we we talked about this last episode when I was a kid reading comics I I liked stuff like that I liked that they were thinking it through and I would remember stuff like that I like stuff like that I think there's just three pages of it and I think you could have had a page or again go up, sim- go up to eight similar to the Thor sequence where he's just like tap it four times you get this five <laughs> times is this it's like okay uh, a little goes a long way guys um, but um, yeah it's fun. It, it, Similarly to um, other, like like when Wasp got introduced and then didn't really serve a purpose in the story, like he gets the new suit, but like it doesn't seem to have any effect on his battle with the doll or the doll man. Mr. Doll. Mr. Doll, whose power is basically he's puppet master, he's but he puppet only has master. one puppet. Right. He just has to keep remaking the puppets. So he can only control one person at once. Actually, that's, master, be- that's better than puppet master. It's puppet master if he had a very limited supply of clay. I like that he has to release control of one person to grab control of somebody else. I think that's better. I guess it's also it's weird to me that like Tony Stark didn't just like shave his mustache to avoid the powers because it seems <laughs> how you look is very important to it because he controls Iron Man just by his outfit. Right. And when Iron Man changes his armor, there's the guy no longer has control of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, 
It's one of the like mind control, hypnosis, aliens, time travel are readily available to the characters of 1960s Marvel. I also think about when we see these villains in these issues that I've never seen before. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know how often they've come back, if ever. Like, I don't know if Mr. Doll ever comes back. <laughs> There's no real need. But like Jack Frost in the Happy Hogan Pepper Potts one, like, he's not, there's nothing about him, but like Ice Powers feels like a pretty useful power set. I'm surprised that he, I didn't see more of him. He feels formidable. I mean, he also is just Iceman from Sure, X-Men. yeah. But we get uh, a couple years before Iceman shows up. I think Jack Frost serves a point, but I, I, he didn't show up. Bring back Jack Frost, everybody. Um, all right. Well, that I think we covered Iron Man. Should we take a break and then and then we'll do to some Doctor Strange, PhD Strange. And we are back. Um, so, Kevin, moving on to Doctor Strange, Strange Tales. Yes. And I had read, I've read all the Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange before, but it, it had been like five or six years since I've done it. So this was a little bit new. And I forgot that the origin doesn't come right away. Uh, I have also read it all. Um, but those these early stories aren't as, I'm, the ones I remember more come a little bit later. Though I, do, I did remember, brag, 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 that he didn't have his origin in the first story. I didn't remember how short it was. It's five pages. Yeah, it's really fast. Um, like when we were originally talking about doing this, I was like, let's just cover one issue for each of these characters. And I got the Doctor Strange like five pages. <laughs> it, I barely, it barely start. Like that's just enough time to explain how Iron Man's armor works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is Strange Tales issue 110. Strange Tales originally was one of the many anthology books of just like fantastical stories, but it then became a vehicle for solo human torch stories. Yeah. So like Dick Ayers or Jack Kirby would do like a solo torch mm-hmm. um, uh, ish thing. And then in starting in issue 110, Doctor Strange becomes the backup story. Yeah, for a couple issues. Then he takes a few issues off as they didn't know if he was popular enough. And then he comes back and then he's there for good. And um, yeah, he's so in first... 110, 111, and then he's not in, I think, 112 or 113. So the initial story here of Doctor Strange, we're, we don't know his origin. We just know that he is a master of black magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks pretty similar to what he will look like for a lot of the Ditko run. I mean, he'll go through some evolution, but he doesn't have the red cloak of levitation. But besides that, it looks like Doctor Strange. Kurt Busick, I think. I think that was who would pointed this out on Twitter said like he thinks Dr. Strange was meant to be Asian at first. Oh yeah. I could see that. Uh, And he's before the origin story, he looks less white basically. And then once you get to the origin story, he's clearly like a white man. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense, right? That he would be some sort of like Tibetan master or something like that. But then he becomes like a white savior figure later on. (laughs) So it's like, Oh, he might've been a better character served if they kept him Tibetan, Tibetan, but um anyway so what we i think the note what we learn we don't learn a lot here um but we learn that dr strange can leave his body in ghost form that he has a teacher called the master from where he gets his power he's got his amulet which could do some stuff and that he is a known person and he's got and he lives in greenwich village (laughs) yes uh it's not called the um sanctum sanctorium whatever it is um but uh, he's in Greenwich Village, and he's got his weird window patterns right away, yep. which still exist to this day. And 
the the first couple strange stories, he's constantly in ghost form. He just like his main ability is leaving his body and then like casting spells as a ghost. Yeah, he mostly is a ghost. And like and one of the stories, he just like fist fights Baron Mordo, like two ghosts just duking it out. And that's the whole story. Like the, the magic use is limited. Uh, but this first story has Nightmare in it, who's a pretty major character. And pretty creepy looking. Like, so, Doctor, you know, a, a, somebody can't sleep. Their nightmares are torturing them. And, they, and this man come, this guy who himself looks like Doctor Strange, comes to Doctor Strange for help. And Doctor Strange says, fine, I'll enter your dreams. And so the guy goes to sleep and Doctor Strange enters the dreams and meets Nightmare, who looks scary. The, the visual look of Nightmare is good. Yeah, he's more silhouetted than he will be later on, but like, it's cut, the design that Nightmare still has. He look, kind of looks like Sandman here. He's got a little Morpheus look to him. It is true. I would say uh, Steve Ditko created Sandman. Most people would say that. That's what I'm saying. And Neil Gaiman. He created Neil Gaiman, would, too. Yeah, that's, that's a good creation. Yeah, great work, Steve. You ask Steve Ditko about Neil Gaiman. He's like, I don't want to talk about Neil Gaiman. I also created other human beings. Uh, because the story is so short, there's a really funny turn where the guy's like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. And Doctor Strange enters and there's like the man is having a nightmare about this a figure bound up in change. And Doctor Strange like, who are you? And the guy's like, oh, uh, I represent uh, somebody this guy ripped off. And, st- you know, I'm guilt from all the wrongdoing this guy's done. And then the dude wakes up. is like, oh, I got to kill Doctor Strange. He knows my secrets. It's like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen? Right. <laughs> what he says uh, at some point at the on the last page. I didn't suspect my dreams were caused by the many men I've ruined in business. Krang was the last of them. I robbed him, but he couldn't prove it. Now I'll confess. <laughs> Wraps up very neatly, but it's just very funny. The many men I've robbed. Oh, I guess that's why I feel guilty. <laughs> the mm. many men whose businesses I ruined. Um, but so this is mostly just sort of like Dr. Strange is like a magic dude. And we get a little taste of the Ditko visuals. It's not really what I come to think of as Dr. Strange, which is like surreal landscape you know, egotistical yeah. doctor being brought down to size. That, that comes later. A, that takes like four or five more issues to come in. The next issue, we meet Baron Mordo, who's like his main villain. And they mostly just have a ghost fight for five pages. Yeah, they, uh, they're they each in ghost form. Uh, Baron Mordo in ghost form tries to attack the master. It's also Baron Mordo's teacher, but Mordo is the bad student. It's kind of a goofus yeah. and gallant thing. Yeah. Uh, where Dr. Strange is the good boy and Baron, Mo- Baron Mordo is the bad boy. And they have a little ghost fight. And I'm going to tell you, Ditko's drawings are good, but it looks silly. It's very funny to see two ghosts punching each other, especially it for is, two pages. It is silly, but I I was thinking, like, it is fun to see them, like, half in walls, half in pillars. Like, it makes the fight look more interesting than just a generic, you know, punching each other. Right, like, and that's very Ditko to have, fights like, fluid and stuff. Yeah, he always finds a way to have visually interesting things to draw. Um, somehow Dr. Strange like tricks Baron Mordo into going back into his body. And then once he's in his body, Strange can go save the master or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't quite make sense, but it's another short story that kind of has to wrap up fast. So the master also says, how ironic that both my pupils, that of both my pupils, only one fulfilled his promise. Like, how is that irony? <laughs> it's not irony. Yeah, it's kind of just bad luck. It's just, you were a bad teacher or you picked a bad student or something. Yeah. How ironic that one of my students is good and one of them is bad. Yeah. No, that is just what happened, dude. That's not irony. Yeah. I think you mean how how evenly distributed. Yeah. Um, 
And then we have a couple issues with no Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And then he comes. So, yeah, two issues with no Doctor Strange. Then he comes back and uh, there's a possible love interest who's introduced here. Yes, I don't think I don't know if she comes back again. Yeah, there's someone who is seen to have a talent for sorcery, the daughter of uh, somebody whose case Doctor Strange is investigating. But yeah, I don't. I mean, she might not come back. That seemed like it would be kind of fun. Yeah, she's she doesn't end up being a big thing. He like summons her to save him, and then goes, "Now leave. You're in danger by being here," which made me laugh. But again, it's, it's just a five page story. It's, it's him a five page. Yeah. Is it Baron Mordo or Boren Mordo? Baron. Baron Mordo. And um, this one, Doctor Strange appeared to be in the room, but it was just an uh, like a hologram he summoned. Yeah. And, th and that's how he defeats Baron Mordo. Uh, Baron Mordo then... seems pretty easy to defeat so far. <laughs> he is a little bit wily Coyote Roadrunner-ish, right? He's like, I'm going to get the master. And then Doctor Strange goes, nope. And then we get to issue 110. I'm sorry. No, we don't. 115. 115. Yep. And this is the origin of Doctor Strange. And this, this is a pretty great story. Yeah, it's a good origin. Um, it's surprising. I mean, Doctor Strange is very unlikable in this comic. Uh, yeah, Stephen Strange, the, the non, I guess he's Doctor Strange, the non-magic Doctor Strange. This yeah. is a very unlikable, bad person. Unlike Tony Stark, who obviously... <laughs> we just covered is like, you know, this rich philanthropist weapons maker, but he's charming and nice and likable. Yeah. Like they made this character just a bad person. Yeah. He'll only help you. He's a doctor that is out for money. He won't save people. If there's not a lot of money into it. He smokes in the operating room, which seems to be like a bad move. If you ask it, me, it's a great showcase of Steve Ditko's comedy chops. I think too, like the look of him when he's smoking, and walking away, just sort of conceited. Like, he just draws that so well. It is like a funny pose for a jerk to have. Right. And so it, this also follows what is shown in the MCU movie, but he's an arrogant doctor who then gets into a car accident that ruins his hands, and that drives him insane because he's lost his, like, ability. And that leads him to find the master, the ancient one. Not the ancient one, the master. Yeah. And maybe that is the same thing as the ancient one. I think it becomes or... the same thing. Okay. But he's not uh, called the ancient one here. Yeah. And because he hears the master can heal anybody. And it's kind of like Thor. He's not worthy. He wants to be healed for shallow reasons. But then when he sees Baron Mordo, the evil student, scheming to destroy the master, he is moved to justice. And then, then he pursues studying magic for the right reasons. Yeah, he can't tell the master about what he saw because of a spell but he can become a wizard himself and protect the master yeah so he's motivated to save the master and that is his like path to redemption in this in this book it's kind of it's kind of cool like baron mordo casts the spell on oh he's called yet. ancient one at the end here okay uh I, it still feels like it's more of a thing he just refers to him as than rather a title Okay, yeah, it's a replica of the ancient one. Yeah. So um but when you know he catches Baron Mordo scheming and Baron Mordo casts a spell of silence on him, and Doctor Strange sees the spell as a metal clasp around his mouth, but when he looks in the mirror, the metal clasp is not really there. That's kind of fun. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's really fun, yeah. Um 
and then he learns all this magic and defends the uh, ancient one. And the ancient one had somehow known all along what was going on somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You knew of Mordo's spell? Um, but that yeah, sets he, Doctor Strange on the path to becoming a great magician. Yeah. He's still not the Sorcerer Supreme. He's just the master of the Black Arts or the Mystic Arts. Right here, I think Master of the Black Magic. It's still what he's called. Uh, Tom Brevoort goes by Master of the Marvel Arts. That's on his Twitter page and, and how he likes to be uh, described. <laughs> yeah, that's his title. Um, and I think it's accurate. I think it's accurate too. Um, and from this point forward, I read a couple more strange stories. This is the Doctor Strange I remember. Like he's constantly journeying into like other realms. Um, the amulets constantly sending out big thick beams of yellow light that do ma magic things. And he turns into the ghost a lot, but not all the time. There's still, there's a lot of astral projecting just in general. That's his main go-to. Yeah. Sort of like in the movies, his main go-to is time, the time stone, like, and portals. His big thing is like opening holes in the, right, in the right. movies, but here it's turning into a ghost. Um, yeah, I, I skimmed through some of these pages. I didn't have time to read them in depth, but I've read them before. And yeah, the visually, it gets more and more fun. And then at some point, it enters into like a 16-part epic, which I think is just, I remember terrific. just loving that. Uh, Ditka was really good at those long-form arcs. Um, yeah, also, they, these stories get longer, right? They get they go from five pages to uh, eight pages, which I think helps a lot. Yeah, it's like another another third. Yeah. another No, another 50%. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. How do you feel about Doctor Strange in general? I don't like him as a general <laughs> rule. I, I, he's a little vague. Uh, his powers are vague. Um, you know, he does. He's not a superhero. He doesn't fit well in a superhero universe. Mm -hmm. Magic is sort of just like, oh, you can kind of do anything. So he doesn't really work when you bring other characters into it. His stories aren't that interesting, but they can be visually cool, right? Um, so it's like more just like, oh, they're pretty to look at, but I don't necessarily care about any of it. And some I of them are very pretty. And some of them I like a lot as individual stories, but I never finish a story and go, Ooh, I want more doc. I wouldn't, I, it's not like I got to the end of Ditko's run and go, I wish there was more Ditko, Dr. Strange. Right. I'm like, I wish there was more Ditko Spider-Man. Yeah. But, you know, Dr. Strange. Okay. Yeah. Got enough. I think Doctor Strange's role is kind of like relative to everything else in the Marvel Universe. He's visually really trippy. And there's also a little of that like H.P. Lovecraft kind of like forbidden mm -hmm. Illuminati slash imagery, you know, just like eyeballs and pyramids. And like it feels a little like naughty rel relative to like comic book uh, imagery of the time. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, he's a fun vehicle for other characters, like to show up in an Avengers story or Spider-Man story, send them into a dimension to do something yes. magical that they don't normally get to do. That's fun. But as a week in, week out or month in, month out story, uh, I, I don't feel the pull for Doctor Strange. I never really have, though I really enjoyed the second Doctor Strange movie and I enjoyed uh, his role in, in the uh, uh, Infinity War movie. Um, he might... The character overall has never been a big pull for me he uh he might be one of these guys who functions better as a guest you know and better as like a destination mm -hmm. for other heroes like let's head on down to dr strange's sanctorium and get some help or whatever yeah and i've definitely read good dr strange stories by other writers and artists um but i don't think i've ever read a run where i'm like oh issue in 
in and out. There's not like a Walt Simonson Thor run. I know Stern had a run on uh, Doctor Strange. and Mark Wade did one recently. Uh, what I've read of those is uneven. Like, oh, there's some good parts and there's some bad parts. There might be a great run that I don't know. As we know, uh, we know we've read a lot of comics, but we skip things like Claremont's X Men. So it's very <laughs> plausible that we missed like the a great Doctor Strange run. But I sort of doubt it. I sort of doubt that there's a consistently great run. I'm sure there's great arcs or great stories or great issues. Yeah. Um, there certainly isn't one that comes to mind. There's not a Doctor Strange story so great that everybody hears about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way like you hear about like Iron Man's like drink alcohol, alcoholism arc. You hear Even about it in that, a bottle. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you'll and you'll hear about like. Uh, this man, this monster, even if you're not a Fantastic Four fan, you know. Yeah, the, the most famous Doctor Strange story is the one we read with Chris Gethard. Gethard with the Doctor Doom, which has felt like almost more of a Doctor Doom story. For sure. Um, But Doctor Strange is one of the guys who like visually is always a big part of the Marvel Universe. Like he's he's bigger than I would say Ant-Man. And he's bigger than like even I would say like Hawkeye until the MCU. Like Doctor Strange just as someone if you're going to just draw like a montage of characters from the Marvel Universe, he's not one of the first guys you throw in there, but he's mm-hmm. in the top ten. Like it's crazy he wasn't in the Avengers. Yeah, he'd be a great Avenger. Like why? Maybe it's all Kirby guys. Yeah, I guess it's it feels weird. Although Spider Man was in it at first, right? No, Spider Man no, is no, not Spider-Man. in Avengers. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a it's a Kirby it's a Kirby um, thing. But but it feels weird to like it to have all these characters and you skip. I mean, you don't put the FF in because they're a team already. Makes sense. You don't put the X Men in. They don't exist yet. Another good. They, they're they're coming out at the exact same time. Daredevil doesn't exist yet. But the only main characters you don't have in it. Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Spider-Man sort of makes sense. He's a kid and so popular, he doesn't need like the Avengers to help his popularity. But Doctor right. Strange could have used it. Yeah. And would have been a, a better fit than Ant-Man. I guess later when they get the Scarlet Witch, right? Doctor Strange would have yeah. become like redundant, but yes. Um, and in the initial configuration. Yeah, that's a that's interesting. Maybe they just felt like yeah, maybe it was just Kirby's like, I don't know what to do with that character. That's not my yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, may your amulet never tickle. Uh, that's what uh, Spider-Man says to Doctor Strange at the end of uh, annual number two. And it's, that's right. I love it. Um, Writ- written by Steve Ditko, taking credit by Stan Lee. <laughs> that line. <laughs> that's such a Stan Lee line. There's no way no, Stan did not write that line. Um, all right. Well, that that's Doctor Strange. Um, a little bit less fun to talk about than Ant-Man. I'm still thinking about those Ant-Man issues. Me too. Ant-Man's haunting me. Uh, I got to imagine if we read a bunch of Ant-Man, it would get boring very fast. But the smattering of Ant-Man we read was such a delight. Load the honey bullets into the gun. Now ants carry the gun. I keep thinking about (laughs) the ants carrying that rifle across town. It's so, so funny. (laughs) Also, today I was thinking about Ant-Man and I was thinking about, I think you, you said something like this, but I was picturing the DC editors let's check out what this Marvel comics is doing to see if they're a threat. And they read an issue of Ant-Man. They're like, we can't, we don't have to worry about this, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> this is one of their big guys. We've got Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. Here's a great about Who's like, got to get this rubber band around this ashtray so I can get out of the room. <laughs> yeah. So uh, should we do some email? Sure. If you've got time. 
Man, I got nothing but time. You say that. And then the moment we hang up, you're like, I got to run. I know. You knock over your mic and you set a fire in your room as every candle gets knocked over. You light too many candles. Uh, let me get some candles lit. Um, okay. Um, let's see. What do we got? Um, as I said, someone pointed out a mistake I made right away. That was uh, Gary Sassaman, who we read an email from last week. But he he wrote me back to say I was wrong. Um, and he's correct. Uh, Ant-Man uh, was after the Atom. Um, yeah. Let's go back to some old um, emails. Here's one from Tony, uh, who's written us before. And he's talking about shocking endings. So this is something we talked about. I should say, if you, want to e- if you want to email us, screwitcomics at Gmail. Our Twitter is screwitcomics and our Instagram is screwitcomics. Sorry, Kev. You're, you're mad. And now we're going to get more emails. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tony's emailing about shocking endings. This came off of when we talked about Squadron Supreme Well, where we are talking about whether an ending can make a story better. Okay. Um, and he says, uh, what about Planet of the Apes? Uh, I think I saw it when it, uh, I think I saw it when it first came out. I was only nine years old, but maybe I caught it in the 70s at a drive-in. Anyway, the whole time the audience is led to believe that Charlton Heston and his fellow astronaut characters flew to some far-off planet where apes ruled and mankind never evolved much beyond caveman status. Right. But the ending punched you right in the face with the revelation that it was indeed Earth. It had only been 54 years, but I think it's okay to spoil the ending. Uh, Taylor, Charlton Heston, and Nova, Linda Harrison, are shown riding off into the sunset. And as a moviegoer, you're thinking, wow, what a weak ending. And bam, they come across a half-buried Statue of Liberty. Oof, I did not sleep well for a week. And then he talks about the bad uh, Tim Burton version. Um, uh, uh, keep yeah. up the good work and get your brother as a guest star. I think he's talking about our other brother, Brian. So, I yeah, see. I mean, that that's a famous that's great ending. A famous great ending, yeah. But that takes a good movie to a great movie, I think. is It's that – because that, that movie's pretty good, I think. I think so, too. Uh, I, it's hard because when I – by the time I saw it, I knew the shock ending already. So it's hard for me to – I I can't – I you have to imagine where people watching that movie going, this movie's kind of hokey and dumb. And then the ending goes, oh, that movie is so cool. I mean, it that definitely the ending the, adds a lot of value. Like, it's a good example yes. in that way. Like, it is, it's, it's big. It's not just like, oh, fun idea. It's like, wow, that like transforms how I see everything. Yeah, that makes me like this movie. Uh, uh, like this, and that makes me really like this movie that I probably would not have cared about otherwise. And maybe that's true. Maybe Tony the, the Apes would not have had a anything without that ending. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um. But it is a famous ending, no question. Uh, John uh, John Bournes, not John Byrne, mm-hmm. uh, asks us, any self-respecting podcast would do a Squadron Supreme power ranking at the end of the series. What do you think could make a good segment? <laughs> so I guess he means like ranking them in order of who's the most powerful. Well, uh, that Hyperion's number one, right? Gotta be. Well, and Pinball, then, then Hyperion. <laughs> pinball, then Hyperion. Yeah. Then um, Power Princess. Right. Uh, gosh, then it gets a little tricky because you got like the leech guy who can who can suck anybody's powers. He's temporarily yeah. pretty powerful. But Doctor Spectrum oh, how is about pretty the, powerful. Yeah, Doctor Spectrum is he's the Green Lantern guy, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he'd be next. How about Nuke? Nuke was pretty good until he blew himself up. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a small weakness, but other than that, he was pretty powerful. Yeah. Um he, Yeah, the one absorbed powers is pretty powerful as well. Um uh the who's the magician? Oh, uh, the Zatanna one? Yeah, she's probably theoretically very powerful. We don't really know. She doesn't know. do much, but you got to imagine magic is pretty powerful. There's some upside there. The wizard seems weak, even though he's fast. He doesn't seem that fast. Yeah, for for a speedy guy, he's not like he's not like Speed Force is speedy. Yeah, he's he's probably more powerful than the Golden Archer or whatever that guy's called. He ends up being the Black Archer, right? Um, yeah, and then there's the Hawkman character, uh, Blue Eagle. Right, he doesn't seem too powerful. The Batman guy is really smart, but. I don't we know. We don't see him do much. Yeah, it's hard for me to rank him high. I, I know Batman trouble. would often, people would want to rank Batman super high, but I, I feel like this Batman is ranked super low. Tom Thumb uh, might be pretty high, just with his gadgets and stuff. Um, Apex. I mean, he a mind con- Apex, not or Madame Madam X. Not Madam Ape. Not Madam Ape is what I was always saying. Completely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Apex. Um, I just, don't think Apex has a lot of powers that I can see, other than being an impressively, you know, talented ape. She's very powerful for a, a powerfully smart for an ape. Oh, for sure. Number one on the apes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's got to start with pinball, and then after that, who's the Doctor Doom guy? The um, <laughs> right, Master Menace. Yeah, he seems pretty powerful. Seems ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's also the guy from the future, who I guess is like, I don't know. I don't know what he's like, Kang-ish. Um, yeah, that villain like, maybe is pretty powerful because he's got the future. Who cares? What, what are we doing? Like, yeah, it's Hyperion, Power Princess, Dr. Spectrum, and then put them all a pinball. Yeah, Hyperion pinball first. Power Princess, Dr. Spectrum, and then it, it starts to, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, that inflatable suit is tough to beat. Yep. Uh, here's an email from Ramson. Uh, good milk sop to you. Hmm. Love the show, guys. I got into it after uh, after heading Will on CBB, uh, where he's or hearing Will. That must be what it is. After hearing Will on CBB comedy, bang bang, where he's regularly so hilarious. Mm, and as a comics you. reader since 1990, have been loving uh, the podcast enough to go back and restart at the beginning. Uh, I started buying comics from the 7-Eleven when I was nine and then eventually found a comic shop I could ride my skateboard to. My first books were Spider-Man, X-Men, Silver Surfer, and The Avengers, and then Daredevil after that Miller miniseries that restarted his origin. Uh, Like you guys, I've had ebbs and flows with readership. I stopped reading when I went into college in 1999, and then I picked it back up in my mid-20s when they sort of rebooted Iron Man with the Bendis Avengers came out. I've pretty steadily had a couple of books I'd buy monthly, but over the last year, I've been devouring the stuff. Maybe some kind of midlife crisis. I'm sure you get too many of these, but I'd like to suggest a couple short series I'd love to hear you cover. Uh, The Karnak, the Flaw in All Things miniseries, and the infamous Iron Man title. The Karnak series is great, giving a great look into probably the coolest inhuman character in the form of of a sort of noirish murder mystery. Infamous Iron Man takes place after the 2015 Secret Wars and Civil War II events, where Doctor Doom decides to turn towards the good and carry on Iron Man's legacy. Not unlike Superior Spider-Man, following Doom trying to be a good guy for real makes for great reading. Hmm. Uh, 
I do have a question for you guys too. Is there a minorish character that you think would make a good realistic Logan type movie or prestige TV style show? For example, I've always thought D-Man, even though he's treated as a joke, had lots of pathos and has kind of a tragic arc to his life. I've always thought Jessica Drew Spider-Woman because of because one of her original powers was that she could attract men but could repel women had a lot of potential for interesting drama. Uh, love the show, guys. Keep it up. I didn't know that was one of Jessica Drew's powers. Uh, I, I knew there was some sort of pheromone aspect to her, but uh, I've, not, I've not read too much of her the early Jessica Drew stuff. Uh, any any like street level characters that you think would be cool? Um, I mean, I'm always down for like the redemption story. Like in the in Astro City, there's Steel Jack, who's the kind of like you know mm-hmm. Colossus like dude who works for the mob that gets out of prison and tries to go straight by solving a mystery for the people in his apartment building that the cops are ignoring. Uh, that kind of stuff I always I'm always a sucker for. So like um if there was that kind of thing, you know, somebody like Sandman, he's not like a street level dude, but like trying to go straight, I, I would always be a sucker for. I'm not sure. Man, Logan was such a good movie. That's that's my main reaction to this letter. I always wanted um I mean, I know they made shows of these guys, but I always wanted uh a power man and iron fist as like a duo as a show something about those two it's very weird that they were just sort of thrown together as two like underselling titles um but I, they're so connected in my mind that it's like oh, i think that's a show i think there's a show with just the two of them heroes yeah. for hire you know like trying to be the avengers for people on the street um i think could be a really fun story but and the mercenary uh, aspect and um yeah I would set it in the seventies. Like, let's get a seventies show. They they seem they seem pretty fun. Um, that is a good one. I'm a sucker. I love Cloak and Dagger. There was a Cloak and Dagger show that was pretty good, actually, in free form. I I watched the first season. It was it was all right. It was like a little too slow. It was like one of those things where, mm-hmm. man, is there a way to make just as much stuff happen in half the episodes? But it was good. Um, I mean. Just a Daily Bugle show starring Ben Urich. Oh, yeah. Would be great. Uh, have J. Yes. Jonah Jameson as a, a supporting character and have superheroes exist in the world. I mean, that would be great. I don't think it would sell because it's not about superheroes. But like that's Marvel's Gotham Central to me. Like, you know, the idea of like, let's just follow the bugle. Um, How about Kurt Connors, you know, cured of the lizard, but having done all this, trying to do something with his life? boring okay give me lizard okay. dna or no connor no. <laughs> okay okay no I, that, that's not not a crazy uh, thing to say you want a guy just working in a lab all the time not me uh, again it's the redemption story that yeah, i'm drawn to like a guy who's been like kind of maligned um i a great question that i'm not fit to answer <laughs> but <laughs> i uh, gave some answers we, we gave, gave some, some answers. answers okay yeah uh how many more do you want to do uh 15 15 great next one's from zach in st paul mm-hmm. milk sops you need to do Watchmen. stop beating around the bush you got to do it big fan here thanks for the many hours of entertainment um you know i i it's not a bad idea like i love every issue of Watchmen is so good yeah uh it would be really fun to do it'd be we a real covered issue a real, one and yeah. it was i think a great episode i i love that episode that we did um 
I mean, about it'd be, it'd be weird so three or four years later to go back, but yeah, it is one of the most popular and important comic books of all time. Yeah. It is still really good to read, maybe even better. Um, I don't know. It's a, it is in the eighties, which is a decade we refuse to leave. <laughs> it fits. I mean, like born again, like a lot of the stuff we've covered other than the early Marvel stuff, it is the, the exact middle of like any Venn diagram of what we should be covering. The only reason really not to do it is that we just have to get away from our comfort zone and do something mm-hmm. outside of it. Like that's the the main argument against it is come on guys, another eighties thing. We've covered so much Alan Moore and Frank Miller type stuff yeah. to do more, but and lots of people have covered Watchmen, right? Like you can find yeah. Watchmen explainers anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did do an issue of it, which we talked about just a lot of our things about the series in general. Those, those are the arguments against doing it. Yeah, I bet we'll do it at some point. I bet you we will, too. I mean, it's too good. It's a, it's a gravitational pull. We're just in orbit of it at some point. We'll crash <laughs> on it and cover it. Uh, here's some more suggestions from Derek Snyder. Um, I really enjoy the podcast and hearing you guys talk about various comics. It got me interested in going back to read some of uh, these myself to line up with your episode coverage. Uh, I'm here with some suggestions of books I enjoyed that might be something you may be interested in covering. Would be super interested to hear your takes on these. Mage, the Matt uh, Wagner series. Is it Wagner? It's Wagner, yeah? I think so. Um, I only read the first two series and not the third final series. Kevin Matchstick is the man. I... I read this. I I this when the second one came out, I read that and then I went back and read the first one. It is very the second one is great. The mm. first one's good and the third one not as good, but Matt Wagner's art is tremendous. It's a fun story. You think it might be pronounced Wagner? I thought for a second, but it can't be. <laughs> uh deep I just so in my head about pronunciations. Get really yeah. raked over the coals by some of our listeners. <laughs> I think you just said pronunciations wrong too, which is kind of fun. Well, that's nobody's name. It's on game. Uh, DP7 from the new universe, a Mark Grunewald special. Okay. Alpha we know that, Flight. Okay, Alpha Flight, yeah. Uh, sorry, go, go. What were you going to say about Well, DP7? Grunewald, we know that the story will be good and the dialogue will be sort of nuts. Yeah. I've never read anything from the new universe. I don't think I have either. Maybe I read a couple issues when it came out, but I, I've the, never, I've certainly never taken a big deep. The dive. New Universe was the post Secret Wars push that Jim Shooter did to kind of launch a whole new continuity batch of comics, and they were going to be more realistic, like it was yeah. going to be like more emotionally real. It's, it wasn't a bad idea. Um, they covered this in Marvel: The Untold Story, but like the the money that was earmarked to help develop it got slashed initially. As Shooter conceived it, if he'd gotten the talent he wanted, it might have been really good, I think. Sure. If taking all the best comic book makers and saying, let's create a new universe with just these people seems brilliant, though, then you're going to they would have been dealing with some real ownership. Yes. Uh, problems, I bet. But um, but just creatively, I it ended up being seen as kind of lame, but I um, I don't know. Shooter remains fascinating to me. And. When he got his ego out of the way, he could be a terrific editor. Well, and if you think about like, you know, you're under pressure, like we need more profits. We need to make more money. Like a new line of comics is sort of uh, makes sense. I mean, like the big moneymaker 
in our lifetime is probably the ultimate universe with ultimate Spider-Man and the ultimates. I mean, their trick was just using the same characters again. Right. But like a separate continuity, new line of comics is, if it's done right, does make a ton of money. I'm reading the ultimate Spider-Man. we got to talk about that next time. I'm uh, 14 uh, Justice issues League, in. Justice League International, he suggests, but we did cover that. So, um, Derek, we covered Justice League International pretty sizably. Got like 10 episodes on it, I think. Yeah, we covered uh, Europe and International. So go go look at that. In. Go look at that. Um, we sort of skipped by Alpha Flight. John Byrne, any thoughts on that, Will? I'm a, I love Alpha Flight, especially the first 12 issues. Um, it's, a re, it's a really satisfying, you know, it's when Byrne was like just on fire. Like he, every story is just compact and thought through. The visual design so good. Um, more than issue, I say through issue 20, I remember Alpha Flight being really good. Um, I haven't read it in a long time, so I don't know if it holds up. The visual, the, the the characters jump to mind very easily. The visual designs of those characters are really good. It's got the first gay character, but he wasn't allowed to. John Byrne was not allowed to underline that too much. But North Star was from conceived as as a gay character and sort of coded gay mm-hmm. when you weren't allowed to say it. I mean, um, he just they finally brought him out. I don't know, recently, I mean, not recently, maybe like five or six years ago, but yeah. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting, it's, it's, it's alpha flight's really interesting. Uh, and his last suggestion is rising stars and or midnight nation by Jim J. J. Michael Straczynski, uh, which I've not read. Mm. I, um, I'm, you know, our listeners are, are being very good to us and they are suggesting things that are in our wheelhouse. I wonder what kind of suggestions might be out of our wheelhouse that would be interesting, which really basically means more modern stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do get some suggestions like that, but we we kind of know the stuff from the 80s that is worth covering uh, and even early 90s, right? And I uh, kind of – I bet I could figure out what would be popular now. Yeah, okay. Um, House of X, Powers of X is not our wheelhouse at all, but it's a fascinating yeah. series of issues. That's, um, you know, really, I mean, like, I, uh, immortal Mars civil war, um, Bendis's new Avengers. That's yeah. a while ago now, but I would say those are more modern. The crash courses that we do for the TV shows drags us into the modern era. Sometimes, um, Jason Aaron's Thor run. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, I don't know. These are all good suggestions. I love it when people suggest stuff. So please keep suggesting stuff for us to cover it. And, and it's worked. We have covered we're, the Marvel first thing we're doing right now is because of an email we got. Um, here's one for you, Will. Okay. Uh, it says, hey, Kevin and Wolverine. <laughs> what very extremely staunchly independent alternative comic creators would you like to see work on a specific big two superhero character? Uh, imagine cartoonist and failed Canadian Libertarian Party candidate Chester Brown writing and drawing a Mighty Thor comic, yeah. or fellow Canadian Seth writing and drawing the Blue Beetle. Uh, I guess I'm currently just thinking about Canadian cartoonists, but they could be from anywhere. Yeah. Um, anyway, hope you are well. From Noel Wolverine Tate. Uh, what do you got, Will? Well, what do you want, uh, what do you want the Los Bros doing? Okay, Los Bros, I want him doing Claremont-era X-Men. I want Gilbert to write it and Jamie to draw it. Uh, I know they don't ever work that way, but I think they'd be great together. I think the brothers, they are they're, they understand each other quite well. I want them both to write it and, and Jaime to draw it. 
basically. But Gilbert to plot it. Gilbert to be the lead writer. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that'd be really fun. Uh, I also wouldn't mind um, Dan Klaus uh, doing like a like a um, a question story, you know, like a like a dark, weird underground conspiracy thing with the question, you know, going in un- uncovering strange Lin- David Lynch like stuff. I think Dan Klaus would be great at that. Um, what else would be fun? Okay. Art Spiegelman. <laughs> Art Spiegelman does Captain America. Like, what would he do with Captain America? That'd be that'd be kind of fun. Um uh just some just somebody who's kind of like not afraid to be anti-establishment and sort of and and um very humanistic dealing with something that's so symbolic, I think would mm-hmm. be that that's why I'm thinking that would be fun. Um Tony Millionaire drew an issue of the Batman that was Tony Millionaire, the guy who does like Drinky Crow and like yeah. um did a did a thing about the Batman, which is I forget where this was, but it's like a four or five page pretty straight Batman story, but of like a Ford a 1940s style Batman story. And he draws the Batman like kind of gruesomely realistic, not like gorily, like just ill-fitting clothes, middle-aged man. It's not a joke per se, but it is like really odd looking. And it stood out to me a lot. And by the end of that, whatever, again, it's four or five pages. It's not too long. I was haunted by it. It was very effective. So that that's kind of happened. And every now and then Jamie Hernandez will do like two or three pages of like you know, Scarlet Witch playing volleyball with the Wasp or something like that. Yeah, right. He did like a Gilbert did like a one woman story in some anthology somewhere. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jaime did. Um, gosh, some Superman family characters sneaking out and traveling to like other planets and partying and coming home at night, <laughs> um, like Mary Marvel or something like that. Um, so the, the the Los Bros get in there sometimes. Yeah, I mean they they love superheroes. Yeah, I mean Gilbert Hernandez is as big a Jack Kirby fan as anybody I've I I can think of. Um. So yeah, I don't know. That's a it's a fun question. Did you have anyone you want to throw in there? Um. What if the I late Richard Sala could come back and do like, uh, you know, something. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, I would. Doctor Strange would be in his wheelhouse, but I'd rather see him do something more. Uh, I mean, he'd also be great, like a Kazar or something, something with like jungle women or something would be right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, but I'd love to see him do like a Fantastic Four or something like that, or like something uh, very. He'd take it into such strange places. I think that could be fun. I think Paul Grist could also do a good question story. It'd be more. Oh yes, very good. Silly and fun, and less. Um, mysterious and dark but i think he would like he would create like a little like a fun poppy question comic book uh dan Klaus would also be good for swamp thing like um or actually you know what charles burns would be great for swamp thing oh my gosh it'd be so strange looking um that'd be that'd be my pick um yeah fun fun questions yeah um what do you want to do let's uh let's wrap it up Okay, I think that's good. So uh, next keep episode, us. keep writing us at screwitcomics at gmail, screwitcomics on Instagram. The screwit Insta push 
is over officially, but mm-hmm. the screwed Insta push is always going on unofficially. So don't be afraid to take our Instagram mm-hmm. posts and put them in your stories. It got us like a hundred more uh, viewers or yeah. uh, followers. That's that's that, yeah. hey, and at that, least, ain't, that ain't nothing. And at least one person said they started listening to our podcast because of that. Yeah, they may so. have been lying, but I'm gonna take it as I'm taking them at the at their word. Yeah. So if we gained one new listener, it was worth it. I just plugged us on Comedy Bang Bang, an episode that came out uh, two days ago. So that, that always that usually brings in some folks. And they're going to come in and hear us talk about <laughs> Iron Man and uh, Doctor Strange and sort of being like, yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> well, this is very serious and non-funny discussion. Yeah. Go back well, and listen to our Ant-Man episode. Uh, <laughs> a little taste of the Ant-Man for you. You'll get some yucks. Um. All right, everybody. We'll see you next episode when we're, when we're going to do. We don't know what. Some some version of Avengers. At least at least the Avengers. Okay. And maybe, um, maybe Avengers and X Men. We'll, we'll figure it out. I bet you just the Avengers. Okay. We'll see you guys okay. next episode. All right. All <laughs> bye. right. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics.